Sterling's a little crazy. And I know why. Because he's a Patriots fan. The Dolphins made him cry. But there's nothing you could do. Two, I gotta win on you. Welcome, everybody. Well, does that make me the blowfish? Also, I would be Hootie. And yes, before... Oh, oh you're, you're Hootie in this case. And I know his name is not Hootie. Thank you. Oh, buddy. So, so neither, neither was Rod Tidwell in that airport. Also true. What a week Not one a for weekend, us, my friend. Yeah, and I fully and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on this little rant now because I do that song knowing I can do that because I'm a Cowboys fan and I know that it's coming back. It'll all come back, and I get that. It's part of being a Cowboys fan, and I like to think Sterling, you've known me a long time. I'm a fairly like humble Cowboys fan. I don't talk shit when it's going well. I don't complain when it's going poorly. I suck it up and eat it when anybody and everybody, the cool thing to do is put some anti-cowboy meme up on Facebook talking to you, Marty, every time. Like, I get it. I got My wife's best friend, our friend Katie, never really talked sports before. All of a sudden at work on Monday, I get a text, and it's an anti-Cowboys meme. I'm like, what's happening? I'm like, wait, what are you a fan? She's like, the Steelers? I'm like, okay, enjoy your one week of I got to win with Mitch Trubisky after like a blocked field goal and two shanked field goals. I will be real about the Cowboys later, but okay, I get it. Get your Cowboys jabs in, people. That's it. That's it? That's it. I'm just going to let you run yourself out there. Do you have an encore? Yeah. Like I said, we'll get to it later in the things that I think are real. And this is an unfortunate one for the Cowboys. But uh, I find it amusing. Just This is a part of being a Cowboys. You're either like the Cowboys or you hate them. There's no in-between. Like, I always had... I'm sure you did. You had that second favorite team that you would root for when your team wasn't playing. Mine was the Minnesota Vikings. I liked purple. There's a great picture of me as a kid in rollerblades, a Speedo, a construction hat, and a satin purple Vikings jacket. It exists. And I believe I had sunglasses also. You're going to put that on social media. You know, NBA, especially... You can tell because I was born in 86, so I was a big Magic fan. Penny, Shaq, Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson. You have those second teams. I feel like nobody's second team is the Cowboys. You either like the Cowboys or they're awful. Do you know where I think we're getting with the Cowboys, though? Is that I think increasingly, and I heard the conversation this week, the Cowboys, if they're not careful, are going to lapse into, like you said, you either love them or you hate them. Nobody's really neutral. But I think we're starting to, we are at least a couple of years away from the Cowboys just not being one of those teams. It can I don't happen. know if it would ever it, regress it, it, to it, that. It can, happen, it can happen easily. 
We made it through Quincy Carter, my friend. Well, I don't know. Jerry Jerry keeps him on the front page, but at what cost and for what reason? Let me ask you this, Sterling. Honest question. You got to go out. You have a football game to win. You need to win it. Your life depends on it. Who are you starting at quarterback? Quincy Carter or Cooper Rush? Danucci. Danucci. Uh, see, I, I can, I can laugh about it. 100% my running back. <laughs> I can laugh about it. I mean, we didn't even carry a backup quarterback into the year. We promoted Rush from the practice squad week of. Did Jerry just think that like maybe Kellen Moore would take over? Did he, did he think that was, well, like I, he's not going to make it the head coach, but we'll let you play a little quarterback you want to. All right. There's not too much outside of the football world we need to talk about. Do you care at all that the shift is going away in baseball? No, it needs to. You don't think it's just coddling to the people that can only pull and won't learn how to hit a ball the other direction? No, get rid of it because it takes hitting, it takes offense out of the game. If you want to get away from a game that's nothing but home runs, walks, and strikeouts, you want the ball to be put in play with some sort of consequence, get rid of the shift. And hopefully a pitch clock will do well. I hope so. We Pace of play needs to get picked up. I don't know how it's going to work, but I think it's... <laughs> and enlarging the bases. I have no idea what the yeah, point well, I don't, is. I think like the idea is to try to take away the risk of people stepping on each other's foot ankles, perhaps. Or maybe trying mm-hmm. to make it look like one of those old video games where there was like giant bases and fat balloon heads and... Real arcade style. I'm not sure. I mean, this seems like the reaction to a problem of, well, a lot of guys are just missing bases these days. We're going to enlarge the bases. And you're right. I mean, guys are getting cleated and stuff. And, you know, some of the rule changes they made, especially like second base with some of the double plays and, you know, breaking up, you know, double plays and crashing into the catcher at home play. Some of that stuff has been good for kind of, quote unquote, player safety issues, but. They're kind of lucky that there's not more issues with that on a you know daily basis of, well, you know, the catcher moved into the line to take the throw. And, well, was he blocking the, the base path or was he in the way? Did he have the right to get the you – know, it's it's almost amazing that it doesn't come up more often than it, than it does because they leave so much sorted to interpretation. But, I, I, you know what, I, the bases is a weird thing, but I think the pitch clock is, is good and, you know – I don't always. I think baseball is always a couple of years behind, and I think this is some of the stuff that we thought was coming a couple of years ago. Whereas the NFL is just like, well, you know, someone threw it out in a rules committee meeting, and we're going to uh, try it out this year in real games for a whole year, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, what the pitch clock has worked pretty well in the minors. They're averaging about two and a half hours, but people who use that for a stat fail to mention, like, oh, there's no TV timeouts or. There's nothing like that. So minor leagues, you can keep it moving pretty well. You don't have to worry about TV, which also helps well, the, pace of play. And the between innings are shorter. They do, you know, it, the game just moves along, but it's all that stuff in between. I mean, you know, they, they play all kinds of games and really entertain the crowd in between innings of double A baseball games. And the games are still, yeah, two and a half hours long with, you know, plenty of offense, plenty of scoring. So hopefully major leagues can take something away from that. All right, let's go to football. 
like we said, a very interesting week one. The dogs came through. A lot of upset wins. Some very entertaining games, some sloppy games, which can be expected and makes you want to say, hey, maybe some of these teams should play some of their starters in maybe one preseason game. Maybe. It does It does feel that week one is now really the de facto fourth preseason game. You know, Bill Belichick said it this year that the first month of the season, not even the first week, the first month of the season is really an extension of the preseason. Yeah. Well, it looked it for the Patriots this this week. Oh, we I mean, we started one in three last year. Uh, there's been a lot of slow starts. Even under Brady, there were slow starts. I mean, how many times did we get the the skies falling? The Patriots are two and two. They lost a game. I mean, in 2018, they lost at Jacksonville and at Detroit in weeks two and three. I mean, the season was over. They they, they were completely finished at one and two. There's no way they're going to bounce back. They won a sixth Super Bowl that year. I don't think it's the same thing, but I love your optimism, sir. You I mean, I'm not going to give you an Aaron Rodgers relax, but... You should drink in some of the... Just, just relax and enjoy your team's mediocrity. I wear it. I wear it nicely now. It's a rebuilding year for the Cowboys. We're going from mediocre no I was, I was to rebuild say, me, me, to build back up to maybe something to aspire to, Tom. We were above mediocre last year. No, no, no. But this year, calling the Dallas Cowboys a mediocre team, I think, is aspirational because they are not going to be mediocre this year. They right. Would be lucky I think they be could have been with Dak. They could have been mediocre with a healthy Dak. They could have been mediocre. Yeah. I mean, they could have finished third in that division. Let's, since we're hitting it, I'm going to get it out of the way. We're doing three things that we thought were real, three things not real from week one. And unfortunately, the thing that I think is real from week one is the Cowboys are awful. They're awful. And you could have saw it coming, you know. Everyone, all this faith in the offense, but you trade away Amari Cooper for pretty much nothing because you weren't sure what you were going to do with the contract and probably weren't going to extend it. Let's just get rid of them and get, you get what? Like a freaking fifth round pick. I think for him for Cleveland, your big get was James Washington. Who's hurt. Michael Gallup is already out again. When Washington got hurt and went on the IR, you're like, all right, Jalen Tolbert, the third round pick out of Alabama. We like him. He looks good in camp. Then what happens in week one? He got a DNP coach's decision. Didn't even play. And I spend the time trying to figure out who the hell is Dennis Houston. Now, I am not an NFL insider, but I usually at least know some names. I had no clue who Dennis Houston was. And then you take out some more offensive linemen, because why not take out McGovern? We're just pasting stuff in. Smith is out. Tyron, that is. You got a rookie at left tackle and Tyler Smith. It's just... They're bad. And I fully understand it. 
I think this is going to be worse because I think Mike McCarthy is one of those coaches like, oh, he can do things with a good roster. I don't think he can do anything. Like, he can't coach people up. I think he can, oh, I got good stuff. I can move it around and maybe maybe do some things. But he's not coaching people up. So it's going to be a long year. And I just hope that with Dak out for, originally it said six to eight weeks, but Crazy Jerry didn't even put him on IR. So there's a chance he could be back soon. He just got According surgery. The, guy, the cowboy hat. Yeah. I'm just hoping that it don't look at it and be like, Jerry goes, you know, Mike got a real rough deal there. Dak wasn't there. Maybe we should give him one more year. That's my biggest fear, is that Mike McCarthy is getting excuses as to why this year is going to be awful, and Jerry's going to do what Jerry does, which is not fire any coaches. Mike McCarthy will probably be the head coach until Sean Payton decides he wants to coach again. So if Sean Payton decides he likes doing television or macrame or whatever he gets into this year, Mike McCarthy could have a good long run there in Big D. Either or, that or he just shoehorns Kellen Moore in as another placeholder. Right. And then miss out on Sean Payton. Like, oh, Sean Payton's not available this year. We'll, we'll give Kellen Moore a big contract. Then Sean Payton wants to come back the next year. And they're like, oh, Kellen Moore, he went... Nine and eight. First year. Feels like Peyton's the guy. Even the Mike McCarthy hire felt like. I mean, everyone's trying to shoehorn Sean Payton onto their roster. You look at what Miami was doing, you know, two years ago, trying to get him into Miami to get Brady, to get all of this lined up. Everybody is trying to figure out a way, probably besides the Patriots, the Steelers. I mean, besides like a handful of teams, even teams with first-year head coaches, they're probably looking, well, yeah, but if Sean Payton were available, would we dump Mike McDaniel in Miami? Even the Raiders would probably be like, ooh, we could get Sean Payton. Yeah, you're looking at what? Patriots, Pittsburgh. Buffalo. The Rams, Buffalo, Kansas City. Probably drops off right around there. I was gonna say that like there's there's others, but you know Washington would take him, Giants would take him, the Jets would take him, Dolphins probably would. No, also, they definitely would. What am I talking about? Stephen Ross wanted to be a year ago. Last last thing on the Cowboys, and then we're gonna move on. No, we're not because they're on one of my real lists oh, too. Joy. Uh, oh, I got more, and I'm gonna go deeper, my friend. Let me just say, once this is kind of going back to the rant at the beginning of the podcast, I can take the, okay, I'll take the shit, talk your smack, I get it. NFC East fans, calm down. The Giants were down 17 nothing to a horrible Tennessee team. Managed to come back, you got the win, okay. The Commanders beat the Jaguars. Settle down. Philly, you gave up a gazillion points to the Detroit Lions. You know, calm down. The whole NFC East, I think, is mostly garbage. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Tom, that's not new. It has been for 20 years. 
We all have those, though. Oh, <laughs> fly, eagles, fly. How'd you oh, like it them is, apples? It, it, is the, it is the most obnoxious division fan-based-wise. And, and part of it is based off of success, obviously. I mean, Washington won three Super Bowls. As inexplicable as that is to say, the Washington professional football team won three Super Bowls in the 80s. The Giants won two. The Cowboys won three in the early 90s. The Eagles were always a contender and, you know, completely get Charles Barkley in the situation that they were really good with Cunningham, Jerome Brown, Reggie White. I mean, these Chris Carter, these loaded Buddy Ryan teams. It just so happened that they were going against the Joe Gibbs Washington teams and Bill Parcells Giants. So they get totally shut out. But those fan bases now, my God, my God. I mean, yeah, yeah three Super Bowls in the last, what, 25 years. The Giants have two. The Eagles have one. Washington, God, I, I mean. Yeah, Washington, Washington doesn't even really bother me that much. When you look at, oh no, as my opinion as a Cowboys fan, keep in mind, like I said, born in '86, my three least favorite teams that I don't want to see successful: Giants, Eagles, 49ers. Washington's not in my top three. No, it makes sense. I, I mean, they're the afterthought of that division have been for a long time. So we'll we'll go to my my Cowboy take in the uh, what curse I you, Merton real. Hanks. Anyway. That's true. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys really are in trouble. I believe this to be true. But their issues run really deep. The offensive line where I pe- think people still believe that the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is what it was. What did you say, Tom? Like seven years ago? Not even. Years like ago? I mean, it, three years ago, they were still. Zach Martin was still kind of in his prime. Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Smith wasn't getting hurt every single year. Right. Frederick was still there who retired early, which that was a killer because he was in his prime that, that really when was. he walked he away. Was. Best center in football. When he was kind of the, the youngest member of that offensive line, I mean, it really was kind of the Great Wall of Dallas part two. But there's still the belief that that offensive line is still there. It's not, you know, the Tyron Smith injury really, you know, speaks volumes to that now. Frederick retiring early. You see how one of these units, and, and I think we tend to look at like a Pittsburgh or a Baltimore and go, oh, it's an elite defense year in, year out. It's an elite defense because we see John Harbaugh and we see Mike Tomlin on the sideline. And you just believe like, oh, yeah, they're, they're always good on defense. You, you always believe that Dallas has a, a great offensive line and a great running game. But that offensive line hasn't been there now for a couple of years. It's you know, kind of in disarray. It's gone away from them. The other thing is, is Dak Prescott, Tony Romo 2.0? You know, down to the injuries, down to, you know, Dak has struggled in big games. He, you know, playoffs haven't necessarily been his friend. Here's the thing. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback in the same way that Tony Romo is a good quarterback, and he can get you 12, 13, 14 wins. He can get you first-round buys. He can perennially get you into the playoffs. Right. But, I, boy, is that, that, but that ceiling is hovering right over his head. And do you really feel that good at home or on the road? with him in a playoff atmosphere. Right. It's the, and you're kind of locked in. It's the Jimmy G question. He's not going to go out and win it for you. Super solid. Going to make some mistakes. I think, do I think Dak's probably better than Jimmy G? I do. But, is, you know. Is he better than Romo? No. Not yet. I think he could be. If I were to put money, I, I think 
Prescott ends up as a better quarterback. I also have a lot lower opinion of Tony Romo's playing credentials and him as a broadcaster. We'll, I'm sure we'll get into that a different day. But Dak it, is it more physically be- imposing. I think he has the higher ceiling. He definitely has a higher no, ceiling. He, he certainly does. I, I think his game certainly does. The The difficulty has just been the injuries. I mean, you know, and they're not, you can't say they're flukish. They're not soft tissue injuries. I mean, they're broken legs and break, broken hands. And yeah. I mean, they, they're significant injuries, but he has just had that unfortunate luck, you know, thus far in his career. So uh, the skill guys in Dallas, you know, how did they get to this point? You know, you, you talked about, there's a couple of injuries. They let Amari Cooper go. And Cooper feels like such a vital piece of the offense that got overlooked in the mania to rush C.D. Lamb to the Des Bryant, Michael Irvin, Drew Pearson, you know, lineage of guys that were number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And you, 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 because you can't overlook Amari Cooper. Last year in the, when the Patriots lost to the Cowboys, you know, C.D. Lamb was unstoppable, but it was Amari Cooper that had every big catch down the stretch in that game. And Dallas, I think they rush to they rush to pay talent, and right now they've forsaken key elements of building this organization. And now suddenly those things are falling away, and you can't pay everybody. And I think the biggest issue was you can't take a running back in the top five, and then you can't give him a second contract. Yeah, you can't. No one, no one talks about Ezekiel Elliott because he's still a fairly productive running back. I say fairly. I have no, no idea what his numbers have been the last couple of years, but not great. But he was uh, hurt pretty much all last year, which goes to your point. Which doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, running back position right now is really you know the top running back typically goes at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. There's a reason for that. You can't invest that much capital. You talk about the Giants, and I'll bring them up later. But Saquon Barkley is the same thing. If you have multiple needs, you can invest in a position where the track record is proven. You can find the same or better value in a third or fourth rounder as you can in a top five pick. There's very few transcendent running backs in the modern NFL. Yeah, unless you're on the doorstep and they can put you over the top. Like when the Giants took Saquon, they were nowhere near ready so you end up wasting kind of that whole first rookie contract, which is where you make make those strides. You know, Amari, great for the Cowboys, came over, what, mid-year in 2018, racked up 725 yards after the, after the trade to get over 1,000. Then he had almost 1,200, 1,100. Only 865 last year, but was hurt a little bit. We'll see what that one will be. I'll see how he does with Cleveland. That'll probably play into people's perspective on on the decision. Not a big week one, but he's also got Jacoby Brissett throwing to him or attempting to throw to him. But yeah, there's, there's no weapons, and you never really were able to replace Jason Witten. I like Schultz, but he's usually beat up. They're I just, think Schultz is good, and you kind of stumbled onto him. I mean, yeah. he's, he's not one that you know, there's not a huge investment in, but you know, he was a pleasant surprise last season. I think will be, you know, a good tight end for for a while now for you. But 
it, it can turn quickly in the NFL. Look, look at the Atlanta Falcons. And they're a team that I think is was built similarly to Dallas. They didn't have the offensive line, but you have the stud quarterback. They had Devontae Freeman. You could name three receivers every single season, and then every year they would underperform. You go, why aren't the Atlanta Falcons better? You know, betters would say that every week. You know, how did the Falcons lose that game? You go, well, they have no offensive line. Their defense is terrible, but you can name seven skill position guys. And I think Dallas and Jerry's been guilty of this over the years is that he wants, you know, CeeDee Lamb when he already has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and, you know, they already have four receivers. Well, let's take a fifth receiver. Let's use a, you know, a top 10 pick on a receiver. I mean, they've hit on some picks. I mean, dear God. I mean, Micah Parsons is a top five defensive player in football. Yeah, he's fun to but, watch. He's he's the bright spot of watching the Cowboys games, which I'm already like, really, do we have to be on Monday <laughs> Night Football in a couple weeks? Like we got one, we got what this week they play the Bengals, but then the week after they're back on like Monday Night Football, and it's like, oh, Cooper Rush on Monday Night Football, I don't need to watch. Who knows? Could be Ben DiNucci. Could be Colt McCoy by then. Who knows? He's probably lurking. Could be. I don't think they're they're not going for Jimmy G. I love how people throw out like Gardner Minshew. I'm like, hey, Minshew Mania, you know what the Eagles are not gonna do? Trade Dallas a somewhat competent quarterback right now. Unless they're like, okay, we'll take three first round picks for Gardner Minshew. Go. What year? Because I've already heard, I mean, the article wrote today that, you know, is Jerry Jones going to call Colin Kaepernick? Is is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to get brought in? Kind of like when Calvin Johnson retired. I mean, Calvin Johnson's in the Hall of Fame, and he's been in for over a year, which means he's been retired for six years. At what point do we stop the, well, they could sign Colin Kaepernick? Like, at, like at, at what year? At what age? I think it's I mean, probably now. Are we still going to be saying, you know, it should be, but he tried out for, you know, he had to work out this past year. Yeah. But like him, people say Cam Newton, like we just watched what happened with Cam Newton in New England, back oh, in Carolina. Cam Newton in Dallas would be electric this season. Like, no. Just imagine the outfits, the offense. Uh, this needs to happen. It's like when they keep bringing back the same old coaches in the NBA. It's like, oh, let's give him another run. Where's Scott Skiles? Let's give him another run instead of like, oh, maybe this young guy who's been on the on the bench for, you know, this coach. Why not give him a ch- No, no. Yeah, we'll no. go with Marty Schottenheimer and Norv Turner. It Where's just like Larry Brown? Team was, SMU still? I don't know. Nah, it seems like it's been been too long since he would have been there. Uh, Tom, give me something else that's real. I'm going to do kind of a twofer here to save a little time. I think Kansas City and Buffalo are about as real as it gets. I think they've adjusted. The interesting thing is in week one, Allen was about 2.2 seconds to throw which was tops in week one. Firing, getting it out early. I think Mahomes was around 2.4 seconds to throw. Top five. They were both at the tail end last year. Why? Because they had deep targets. 
They're holding the ball. They're waiting to just chuck it deep. And especially Mahomes, he was just eating them alive in the midfield. Just quick hitters, cross the middle, not worrying about going deep. And it's hard to say, and I wouldn't have said it, you know, 10 years ago, but just Andy Reid knows what he's doing. And I think they've adjusted. I think they're still going to have their issues, especially probably on defense, but it's going to be hard to keep up with with their offense. And I think Mahomes is, well, I mentioned it last week with Lamar Jackson. I think Mahomes is out to maybe have a little FU season after how the playoffs ended. That little bounce back. Josh Allen getting the hype, and they came out and absolutely stomped the Rams, which I would argue I think I think the Rams might not be as good as people think they are coming off that Super Bowl. But I think these two teams are legit. They're real. Weapons for days. And that Buffalo defense looks good. Von Miller looks, at least in week one, and it's a long season for an older linebacker, but looking good. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go to my real. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are the class of the NFL, and I'm not saying just the AFC. They, they're the class of the NFL on offense and defense. Vaughn Miller was the signing of the offseason. I mean, that was the move of the offseason because it took a defense that was that was good. Not to say they're bend but don't break. We hear that too much. But they're one that, yeah, they get after the quarterback a little bit. That secondary is really good, but they weren't one that dialed up huge amounts of pressure. I mean, it was automatic. He put Stafford down twice, got a couple of buckets, but he made everyone else better. Ed Oliver looked better. Uh, Greg Rousseau looked a little bit faster. You know, that whole defensive line and that pass rush looked completely different against the Rams. Now, it didn't help that Matt Stafford has... There's not a lot of firepower in that cannon right now, and, and I think that elbow injury is is legit because he looked like he was having a tough time getting the ball out there. The weapons aren't the same, but he, he has weapons, and I think the Rams... The Rams are prone to those kinds of games. It, it just happens with that team where they will go up against a really good team and they will look absolutely terrible. Then the next week they'll go out and, and stomp the Buccaneers or something. Um, not saying I'm going to throw the towel in on the Rams, but I think they hit a buzzsaw. And I think that's exactly what the Buffalo Bills are right now is they have the makings of a team that could be a buzzsaw. And, and thinking about the AFC, I think you're right in that it's going to come down to the Chiefs and Bills. And I think this year that game is probably played in Orchard Park. And what a look that'll be. I think you're right. Pat, Pat Mahomes on the road. Because think of this. Pat Mahomes has pretty much played every... Has he played every postseason game at home? No. Didn't he play in New England one year? Or did I make that up? No. They lost the AFC Championship uh, 2018. was in Arrowhead. Mm. They beat Houston. They beat Tennessee when they went to the Super Bowl. Those were all in Arrowhead. I'm trying to. If he didn't, it would have uh, been probably last year. If he was on the uh, road, no, because they well they hosted the Bengals and they hosted the Bills. Mm. So he's played every postseason game at home. So let's see. Let's see if he takes it on the road this year. Let's see how that goes. You know, and if not saying he can't, not saying he can't. And if you're listening to this saying, the day it comes out, we got Chiefs Chargers, which should be fun tonight. As you're listening. What a game that is. Justin Herbert looked awesome in week one. The rest of the Chargers, me. 
But <laughs> was it the comparison with Derek Carr? Hey, yeah. Derek's all Derek right. Carr, Derek Carr just got gifted a used Mercedes. It's still a nice Mercedes. Like all of a sudden, it was just kind of dropped in his driveway, going, "All right, kid, we're giving you a second chance. We know you wrecked that Hyundai last year, but here you go. You got the best offensive coordinator in years. You've got the, arguably the best receiver in football." You got a brand new stadium. You got a new city. You got a loaded offense and a great division. A traditional NFL franchise. Here you go, Derek Carr. <laughs> You're one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. You've done, I'm not sure what to deserve all of it, but here it is. Don't scratch it. Devontae Adams had one move where he like crippled uh, Asante Samuel Jr., and it was just made him look ridiculous. You know what maybe the most ridiculous stat this past weekend was? Do you know how many targets Devontae Adams had? It was single digits, right? No. It was 17 or 18 oh, targets. Opposite. There we go. Yeah. So I'm just going to, because everyone's like, wow, you know, Devontae Adams looked great. Well, he got targeted 18 times. Just saying, maybe circulate around as, as a Hunter Renfro fantasy owner. Maybe move the ball around. You got you got Waller's one of the best tight ends in football. You got a great slot receiver. You got a solid running game. He's throwing touchdowns to Brandon Bolden and 18 passes to Devontae Adams. This is the trick-or-treat side of the Josh McDaniels era in New England. There were some games and play calls you go, wait, why aren't we involving any of these other guys? Why is it based around one, one guy? And maybe it's Carr's familiarity with Adams. Now, granted, they haven't played together in like nine years, but apparently they're buddies from Fresno State, so maybe Fresno. some offensive diversification. I bet there's some partying going on at Fresno State. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hit one of my not buying right now. Wait, and, wait, wait. I got one more real quick because right. this is what I believe is real. Mike Tyson was sitting in Robert Kraft's box on Sunday in Miami. That's not real. That happened. <laughs> Look it up. It's real. I feel like Robert Kraft I, I can't is believe just it's real. in clubs. In clubs with 20-year-olds just getting in, getting in his groove, wearing a chain like three, with a deep like three, three times a year, there's V-neck. some story about Robert Kraft in some... You know, like he was trying to get Meek Mill out of prison. He's teaming up with like Jay Z in an effort to get rappers released from you know marijuana charges. Usually, it's like John Bon Jovi, Kenny Chesney. You know, there's the usual suspects that you see in the Robert Kraft box. Seeing him in a chair that is elevated like a good foot and a half over Mike Tyson, just an all-time moment. I'm watching the game, going, "What the hell?" He's like patting him on the leg, reassuring him. I'm like, this is what I like. The, the, the mentorship of Iron Mike. Maybe Iron guy. Mike is mentoring Robert. You don't know. That could be. Hey, they both lived a lot of life. Or maybe he's trying to get Robert to invest in his cannabis business. Now that's interesting. All right. Uh, All right. So, Tommy, what's fake? Not, and I'm not saying he's not one of the better receivers in the NFL, but 
I am not buying that Justin Jefferson is going to have the next great Cooper Cup season, that he's a MVP candidate, that he'll win every award based off this first game versus the Packers. Great game, nine catches, 184, two touchdowns, but the Green Bay defense was horrendous. Almost all nine catches were against zone coverage because Green Bay just thought, hey, let's go zone and not come out of it when one of the best receivers is just lighting you up. And he had nine catches. Seven of those catches, I believe, there was not a defender within 10 feet when he made the catch. And I'm not fully selling on Green Bay. I think Green Bay can get their stuff together. But Jefferson winning MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, breaking the receiving records on the shoulders of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I'm not buying it after week one. It's an interesting idea. And I think the there's a lot of love from Minnesota. And I wasn't even aware of it till about a week ago. And it seemed like everybody was releasing preview material. And everybody was all over the Minnesota Vikings as kind of their dark horse candidate to, to make a run to the Super Bowl. And, of course, that is, is heavily revolves around Justin Jefferson. There's a chance I think he's the best receiver in the NFL this year. I think that could very well be the case. Is he going to have a transcendent season? I, I might pump the brakes on that a little bit, but yeah, he, he might be the the best receiver in the NFL this season. But uh, yeah, I think I would back off a little bit on. You know, he's going to have a Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice type of year. Uh, my number one, what I think is fake, is the hot takes revolving around Bill Belichick this week. Look, there were people in the media who were essentially calling for Bill Belichick's job in New England this week because of the unpreparedness, the inability to commit to a system, to hire an offensive coordinator, to mentor Mac Jones, to build a roster that the the Patriots need to be successful and to play Kendrick Bourne because by not playing him, they're putting the whole team at odds to prove a point and for giving the chances to guys like Joe Judge and Matt Patricia again and giving them second chances is wrong when you're trying to win and the league has passed him by and they're bringing up his drafting record and just stop. It's one game in Miami, and this game in Miami reminded me of, oh, 50 other games in Miami that have played over the years. Tom Brady lost to Jake Cutler on Monday Night Football. The Patriots were had one loss in 2004 and then went in and lost an inexplicable game in Miami. The Patriots were something like two touchdown favorites. This has happened for years does this mean the Patriots are perfect? They're going to be absolved this week when they go into Pittsburgh and play Mitchell Trubisky and the Steelers? No. Will they score more than seven points? I would I would risk to wager that they will score more than seven points this week. I will also say that they will not give up a strip sack from the six-yard line. might be from the five, but they won't give it up from the six. And dear God, if they give up a, a breakaway touchdown with, 40, with 20 seconds left at the end of the first half, there's mental mistakes. There's huge mistakes. There's a lot to clean up, as Bill Belichick would say in his Monday press conferences. But the the calls for that the Patriots need to move on from Bill Belichick because he is 70 years old. Tommy's 70. Three years ago, he's winning Super Bowls. And now, he's 70. Are you saying, if I give you the option, Bill Belichick or Mike McCarthy... You're staying pat at the moment? What's the game? 
arm wrestling, I'm probably still taking Belichick. He's a unit. Mike McCarthy's in shape. He's in shape. He's losing weight. I bet a lot of Pilates getting that that good arm movement going. He's doing 12-ounce curls. We all know it. Uh, No, it... He's someone that definitely deserves benefit of the doubt after more than one week, I would hope. It is uh, it is something, but I've heard it this week. I've heard people making the case that, no, the, the, the game has passed him by. It's, it's time to move on. I'm like, are you kidding me? All right, my uh, next not buying it. I'm not buying yet that hack it isn't a head coach and he's the wrong guy for the Denver Broncos. You know, they fumbled twice on the one yard line going into the end zone. Yes. You have a, you know, $258 million man, fourth and five. You would hope they'd put the ball in his hands as opposed to going for a 64 yard field goal. He said as much, I think yesterday, Said, oh, we should, probably should have went for it. That's my bad. You know, rookie coach, big situation. As much as, you know, everyone says Seattle could be the worst team in the NFL this year, that's a high-intensity game because it's Russell Russell Wilson going back to Seattle, and they're booing him, and the crowd's going crazy. The 12th man's going nuts. There's a learning curve. You're going to take some lumps. I still think that Denver is a good team, and they'll figure it out. I think Denver has some flaws. Um, How weird is it that in week one, you have Baker Mayfield starting against the Browns, and you have Russell Wilson starting against the Seahawks, and then you top it off with Deshaun Watson's fraudulent 11-game suspension and his first game back is in Houston. What is the league? Do? Like, if this was the NBA, everyone would be going, oh, my God, the NBA is rigged. The NFL is just like, yeah, we're just going to do this. Like, we understand television. This is what we're doing. Which I respect that. Like, they get it. Sure. Like, it's week one. You have all these built in. Like, it was a big thing. You know this. Every single year, you know whenever the Patriots were playing the Colts, because it happened every year, because they finished first in their division every single year, so they always had to play each other. You knew it was going to be around a holiday game. It was going to be in prime time. And it was going to be in a good spot. The NFL is, it's the same with the NBA. You're not going to see the Washington Wizards playing the Charlotte Hornets on Christmas Day because they know what brings in numbers. And that's rivalries, that's big matchups. In this year, it doesn't really matter what the NBA puts out there because there's NFL football on Christmas, so there goes the holiday for the NBA. I'm starting to think I'm going to have to split off and do bonus episodes of basketball talk because you're not going to let me do it. I, pretty much, I am Nolan Ryan when it comes to the NBA. I got one pitch. I throw it the same. Let's just see if you can hit it. The NBA is trash, and I will say that every single time. Number two thing that I think is fake. Saquon Barkley's renaissance. Man, people jumped all over that. I mean, fantasy drafts. People were taking the guy in like the second round going, well, Saquon Barkley. It's it's Saquon Barkley. 
the guy hardly plays every every given season. He's typically injured. The Giants are trash. He doesn't produce. He's rarely on the field. It's not a good offense. And now one week they make a resilient comeback to beat the Tennessee Titans. Brian Dayball gets a win. Brian Dayball, offensive genius. And Saquon Barkley has a big game. And now people are like, well, Saquon Barkley is back. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the Giants. This will be the game that people will point at the entire season as Tennessee. I'm not saying Tennessee is a great team. I'm saying Tennessee will be in the wild card hunt all season. They might even win that division. I don't think they you are. Can convince the Colts probably win that division, but Tennessee will be lurking around there. It's a two-team race in that division. Vrabel will have that team. That is, I mean, they've had a bunch of injuries. It seems like the uh, the bloom is finally off the Ryan Tannehill rose. They'll be they'll be a player this year, but all season long, people say, "God, remember when they lost to the Giants?" Because the Giants are probably heading towards what four wins, five wins, maybe. Yeah, they're probably picking in the top five in the draft. I think they'd want to. They should. I mean, they they didn't uh, pick up the fifth year option on Daniel Jones. They needed a quarterback. If you said to them right now, "Hey, you can get Bryce Young," they probably do that, right? Oh yeah, nine times yeah. out of nine. <laughs> Let's see what what would it be? There was you know tank for Tua. What could it be for Bryce Young? Bankrupt for Bryce? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I could easily see Daniel Jones being a decent backup for somebody next year. Sliced and diced for Bryce? Yeah, we'll have to workshop it. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it, but there, there'll be some out there. But yeah, it's, watch, it, they'll, end up, they'll end up taking like Will Anderson number one or something, get another edge rusher. I feel like it's one of those where if they were smart, especially if Saquon has a couple more big weeks here early on, Maybe try to flip him before the deadline. Especially if you lose the next two, three weeks, not looking great, but Saquon's putting up numbers. It's probably your only chance to recoup something for him. But it's the same with Dallas. I think they look at him and go, well, that's that's a piece we need to build around. Whereas successful teams, I mean... You look at the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they have three or four running backs that they all took in the second, third, fourth rounds. Uh, you know, Kansas City, I mean, they got Clyde Edwards-Alaire the year after they won a Super Bowl, but they got him at the end of the first round when he was the number one running back in the draft you know, by far. Great teams, it's not the first piece you get. Running back is no longer what you build around. You don't build around an Earl Campbell or an Eric Dickerson or an Emmett Smith anymore. That is now the last piece of these successful teams. I mean, look yeah. at the, the Rams just won the Super Bowl. No one will remember that Sony Michelle was one of the key running backs down the stretch for that. Because he's not in the NFL anymore. Let's see, he was what cut by Miami. I can't remember if he's on a team right now. We, we need the Sony tracker. We really don't. That's an app I don't need on my phone. All right, Tom, your last uh, falsehood. My last falsehood. Pittsburgh fans. You're not any different than the Cowboys right now. I'm not buying it. You got a real fluky win against the Bengals, who Joe Burrows 
Smoking Joe was not looking great. Some bad picks in that one. Still marched it down. They had an extra point to win the game. It gets blocked. They missed two field goals in overtime with a backup long snapper. And the laces were in. It's, it's these young kids. They haven't seen Ace Ventura. They don't know. What a, what a sports net, eh? Yeah. Trubisky looked decent in quarter one, and that was about it. And you just lost TJ Watt. And they're hopeful it's not as bad as they thought. Early, they were thinking might be for the year, like a torn pack, something like that. But I guess it's looking a little better. But he's still not going to be there for a while. And I would argue that TJ Watt missing for Pittsburgh with Trubisky at quarterback is just as big a deal as Dak missing for the Cowboys. And that's probably a little bit of hyperbole, but you yeah, get the there, point. Yeah, there's a little bit to that. I, I see what He was an absolute but... monster in that game against Cincinnati. Oh, he was. I mean, he had, what, 22 sacks last year? I mean, T.J. Watt, it cannot be understated, is the reigning defensive player of the year. But, yeah, I don't know. Anytime you lose your quarterback, it's bad. Though, if you were to take the starting quarterback away from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they'd get better right now because... I don't know. Kenny Pickett looked pretty good in the preseason. I'm not saying he's definitely the answer, but I think Steelers fans are looking at it as house money right now. Any games they win with Mitch Trubisky is money in the bank because they're just counting down the days until Kenny Pickett takes over. So, uh, Sony Michelle is currently with the Chargers. Okay, I couldn't remember if he was released from the Chargers and wound up with the Dolphins, but yeah, he left the Dolphins is now now a Charger. That, that seems right. Yeah, had seven carries for 12 yards. That's right. 2018, the Patriots took him in the first round of the NFL draft. Ahead of Lamar Jackson? Was that the Lamar Jackson draft? Uh, We took two players over Lamar Jackson, Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle, both Georgia Bulldogs. And now, uh, after three years with the Pats, he's been with, what, four teams since then? He was with the Rams all last year, Super Bowl champion. Ah. What was your last one, Pearl? This is the story nobody's talking about. This was, to me, one of the biggest news stories of the NFL weekend. Little Caesars is the official pizza of the NFL. So what they're trying to tell me is is that somebody out-pizzaed the hut. I feel like Pizza Hut has dropped way down. Little Caesars. Yeah. Below Little Caesars. Correct. I almost never see Pizza Huts anymore. I don't know the last time I had Pizza Hut. I've had some Little Caesars, and it was good. Pizza, pizza. Now, I was in Vermont this past weekend, and there was a town. I can't remember what the town was. Probably something like Orleans. Yep. That's right about where you were. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know as if that was the town, but I'm going to put it on Orleans. Based on where you were, I'd say that Orleans. is that is accurate. Well, I went through that town, but I don't know if it's the one I'm about to describe. But there was one town. Actually, no, it was Gorham, New Hampshire, but I still want to put it on Orleans, Vermont. Uh, whereas going through town and there was a former Burger King that is now a barbecue place. There is an old uh, Taco Bell that is now a house of pizza, the Gorman House of Pizza. Shout out to them. And there was a 
Pizza Hut because you know by the roof that it was a Pizza Hut. And I don't know what was in there now, but let's just say it was not a Pizza Hut anymore. And I was like, what is this town that all these fast food chains have gone out of business? You really can't change the building at all. They're now just other restaurants, but they have the definitive shape of what they once were. So yeah, uh, there, there's something going on in Vermont and New Hampshire with their uh, with their Pizza Huts. We still have them up here in Maine. They're they're quite prevalent. Well, I, is, I like how you're like just continuing malt. to lump that in with Vermont, even though you said, "Oh, actually, it was New Hampshire." But I'm just going to say Vermont anyway. I'm, I'm giving you credit. Uh, I don't think that was a credit. <laughs> I know of one blame Pizza cre- Hut. Blame credit sound a lot alike. All right, that wraps up. Week two of the new Sports Order podcast. Make sure you are liking the Facebook page, New Sports Order. Follow it. Subscribe to this podcast. It helps us with the algorithms. Give us that five-star review. All that is helpful. Feel free. Shoot us some messages. If there's stuff you want to want us to talk about, you can do that on the Facebook page. You can send an email to the NSO pod at gmail.com. Sterling's columns go up at the beginning of the week, and we are putting them on the New Sports Order page as well. Yeah, that's where you can find it. Follow me on Twitter uh, at Sterling Pingree, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much everywhere I am. All righty. We will catch you guys next week on the New Sports Order podcast. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.